we are talking about worship realized uh, here this morning. Uh, PT talked about it last week, about being an offering and a sacrifice, right? That was really good. Um, super challenging. It seems to me like now that he's you know teaching every what third week or whatever it is, he he's putting entire um, Bible classes into one sermon. Like they are like jam packed, but it's all really good stuff. Yeah, and so I mean I was I'm impressed with how much uh, truth he's able to fit in. Uh, I you know I had a teaching this morning, and we are going to go through it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start with something a little different as we were um, as we were worshiping the Lord was kind of putting stuff on my heart to kind of. I don't know, to make it a little more fun, I guess. Um, and so let's just talk about music. Have you ever met somebody that doesn't like music? Now, look, there's some things in this world where it's like, you know, people will say, you, you know, we, we always do this thing when we meet new people that say something along the lines like, you know, what's your favorite ice cream? Because I believe you can learn a lot about a person by their favorite ice cream flavor, okay? Uh, for example, you know, my ice cream flavor for a really long time was, um, it was this like, it was a Haagen-Dazs flavor and it's like this white chocolate ice cream and it has um, raspberry swirl and chocolate truffle pieces in it. Yeah, it's really good, right? But if that's your favorite ice cream flavor, which it was mine for a, a long time, you're pretty pretentious, right? Let's just be honest. Like you're kind of, you're a bit snooty if that, like you think you're better than everybody else. And that was true of me for a really long time. Like that was my, that was, <laughs> that was my favorite ice cream flavor, right? You know, and so you can tell a lot about a person. And sometimes you'll ask people like, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? And they will say, I don't really like ice cream. And for the most part, you go, you're a liar. Like you're straight up lying, right? Um, but there are people, and I understand, there are people who don't like ice cream, and that's okay. Like, that's, that's understandable. Generally speaking, when you talk about music of, of any kind, when you, tell, when you say to somebody, what's your favorite music, and people say, I don't like music, they are straight up lying. Because there is not a human being on this planet that doesn't like music. You may not like certain genres of music. You may not like certain bands or what's on the radio and that sort of a thing. But chances are there is some jam that if I played it right now, it would cause you to go, ooh, like you'll start bobbing a little bit, right? Yeah? Okay. So I think I, I just asked Zoe if this was hooked up here. So, I, I, you know, how many of you guys like this modern stuff, this like modern pop stuff that's on the radio today? Anybody? All right. We got this going. Can you? Let's hear. Get it pumping. That should be coming through the subwoofer too. Billy eyelash, yeah. All right. See, look at this. There's a, there's a little bit of a groove going already, right? Over here, my daughter's like. Okay. Now maybe you're into older pop. Some of you guys are resisting moving right now because you're like, I can't prove to Taylor Swift, but let's be honest. It's kind of hard not to, right? Now, for some reason, some people are into this kind of stuff, which I just, I can't understand. Ooh. 
pair of jeans. She looks great in cheap sunglasses. Uh, that's that's hard for me. Man. This one's hard for me. She's I want a piece of chocolate. All right. How about this? All my 90s kids, my 80s kids in here. Hold on. Yeah. So I went on this trip to Vegas with Tiff and Bela for a, a conference, and I learned something about I learned something about Tiff that this kind of stuff is her jam. We were rocking some '80s hair bands all the way home from Vegas, and Tiff was just losing her mind. Okay, hold on. Now, even if you don't like any of the modern stuff, <laughs> I know, we're getting there. <laughs> Does anybody ever just listen to classical? Anybody rock out to this stuff? Now, now, if it was up to me, we'd be doing like this nerd geek punk rock all day long. This, this is my jam right here. Little Elvis Costello, you got to get your feet like all kind of wonky, like you're a nerd, right? Okay. Look, the reality is, is like we all love music, right? Like there's something in there, and I, that was like six genres. But there's something within music that that hits you somewhere, some way or another. Yeah. So what? It, I, just for fun, what's your like? You got a favorite song that like if it comes on the radio, it could be something for the past ten years. That if it's always on the radio, it just hits you. Yeah. What is it? A thousand years. Who's that by? Anybody know who sings that song? Is it a Taylor Swift song? Welcome to New York. Christina Perry? Oh, that's a thousand years, Christina Perry. Twilight? Oh, it's from Twilight. Anybody? Come on, like, what's your jam? Woo! Yeah? Question by the Moody Blues? Moody Blues. Yeah, Deborah Jane. Elf. Anything Ella Fitzgerald, anything Lauren Hill. I'm in on that. I'm in on that train as well. Like I, I really like when we start getting towards the holidays because it gives me an excuse to listen to all the old stingers and standards types, right? Like the the uh, the Frank Sinatras and the, the crooners. Love that stuff. Here's the deal. <laughs> Little village people, that's your jam right there. <laughs> Look, here's the thing: like, there's music. Music is so ingrained in every part of of our culture and society, and it always has been. Right? You you can't watch a movie without listening to music. You can't hop in a car or hop on a train or go to Disneyland or be in any mall or any shopping center without having music on in the background. Every commercial 
is driven by music, and it's awkward, right? You, they, some of them, they pull everything out and they make it silent just to get your attention because you're wondering why there's no sound. Like music fills our every day, and it's part of who we are. And the reality is, is that God is musical. And we need to like recognize this. That even if you don't think you're a musical person, music speaks to you because God is musical and he created you. Okay, so in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke. It says, God said, let there be light. And God said these things, right? The literal translation of the Hebrew word for said is sang. God sang everything into existence, which is really interesting, right? And here's what we're finding out more and more these days is that, like, music is everywhere. When we read in the, throughout the Psalms, again, this is not part of my teaching. This was just something the Lord put on my heart as we were worshiping this morning. So I'm sorry I don't have all these verses on there. But the psalmist will write things like all the trees and the rocks are singing the praises of God, the mountains and the skies, and the stars themselves are singing. And yeah, and, and what we found out is that everything at an atomic level is actually moving, right? And so, like, I have atoms within my body, and they are moving, and that it's, it's basically a vibration. And so every human being has a unique sound print like you have a fingerprint. And you have a unique vibration sound. You have a unique frequency. And everything that has atoms in it, so this entire universe is made up of vibration and sound. And scientists who are atheists will say to you, oh, if you could just hear the sound of the universe. It's like this great orchestra that's all playing together in harmony. Oh, the, the Bible's been saying that all along. Right? The Bible's been saying that all of creation is singing the praises of God. And there's something about this, like, you know, oh, this is really interesting. You know Gregorian chanting? Oh, right, like that kind of stuff. Your your actual your atoms, your atomic level, it resonates on the same scale, musical scale, as Gregorian chants. I think that's why it sounds so heavenly to us. You know what I mean? Like it feels like holy. It's because it's resonating on the same scale as your atoms, which is kind of interesting. All right. And so here's the deal. Something about music just hits you, and it's because God is musical. God sings. God sang creation into existence. And so there's something about, listen, when you come into a worship setting, it may not always be your cup of tea, but there's a reason why it hits us so deeply and emotionally, right? It's because you were created through song and for song. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> so now we can pull it up. Do we have the uh, keynote there? You want to tap her? Do you have the keynote up there? Well, you got to put it up first, and then I then I can control it. All right, cool. So, what what a lot of this has to do with though is just positioning yourself to receive it. And so today, what I want to talk about in terms of worship is positioning ourselves. Uh, our opening verse is this Psalm ninety five. We are, where are we here? Here we go. Psalm 95, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. There's a couple different positions that are here, right? Let's worship, let's bow down, let's kneel. Did you know the word worship means to bow down and kiss the feet of? Like its most literal translation means to bow down and kiss the feet of. And so when we're talking about worshiping, we're talking about positioning ourselves. And look, here's the deal. Whenever you, get, whenever you try to engage with music of any kind, you are position, positioning yourself, right? So when you get into the car and you, you sit there and you think, you know what? Had a rough day. I'm just going to rock something out right now. Welcome to the jungle, right? And like you're just going to like, 
You're going <laughs> to like you're going to totally just do something to engage. Sometimes you're in a bad mood, and so you sit there and you go, you know what? I'm going to put on some Stevie Wonder, right? And I'm just going to like pump some Stevie Wonder in my car because every time I listen to Stevie Wonder, I'm feeling good about life, right? You guys have those types of things? Okay, so you position yourself with music all the time. Maybe you just had a really hard breakup, and so you're going to put on like the saddest music you possibly can, and you're going to go grab a gallon of ice cream, and you're just going to cry, right? A whole bucket, like one of those big buckets of ice cream that costs like three cents at Vons, right? So you're just going to like position yourself with music, yeah? Or maybe it's time to study and you need to get some work done and so you put on some like lo-fi hip-hop or some classical, right? Because that stuff's like actually triggers your brain to actually engage a little bit farther. You guys know what I'm talking about? Do you guys use music to position yourself? <clears throat> By the way, if you don't know this, music understands that they can position you subconsciously so we were watching a movie last night, and we were watching like it was like a it was kind of a scary movie. It was kind of a comedy scary movie, but horror movies crack me up because it's so easy. All you have to do is is make somebody just stare towards like off in the distance, and then you make this like ominous like, and everybody gets terrified. Like what's your what's actually on screen? If you mute the movie, it's not scary at all, but the music in the background just going. Like that hum that happened. It makes you freak out. Or when it's like, you're like, ah, right? Like it just, you jump out of your skin because music is telling you to. So music positions you automatically. But in terms of worship, we need to bow down, position ourselves to kiss the feet of Jesus. And this means three things for me. One, it's humility. Bowing down and kissing the feet of God is a demonstration of humility. It's saying, God, you're big and I'm small. It also demonstrates honor. Bowing down says, you're worthy, and I'm not. And then it also demonstrates submission for me, which is, you're, you're God, you're Lord, you're decision maker, and I'm not. And so let's get into some breakout sessions. And I want, I want to know how your worship can express, how your music can express humility, ooh, honor, and submission. Ready? Go. All right, bring it back in. So look, here's the deal. <clears throat> over over like the quarantine time, I've had a lot of fun trying to get like really engaged in music again. Um, for those of you that don't know my history, all the way like back in high school, uh, I, I picked up guitar and, and bass and drums and a little bit of keyboard and really just kind of fell in love with music. My parents were very much like the the 90s kind of pop parents. Uh, all that I knew existed in the world was like Whitney Houston and Celine Dion and Amy Grant. Yeah, you know, like 80s and 90s kind of female pop stuff. That's all I knew. And then <clears throat> somebody introduced me to The Who, and I was like, what is this amazing band? And how have I never heard this before, right? And I started like diving into music like crazy. Well, when I got saved, music was such an idol for me that I ended up, I used to have, I mean, cases and cases of CDs and albums and all that. And, and, the, and I really felt strongly that the Lord asked me to just throw it all away. Not to even like give it to a record store or anything, but just to throw it all in the dumpster. And so, it, because it was an idol for me. Now, I don't believe that, you know, music is the devil that rock music, I don't believe that in the slightest. Um, 
you know what's interesting is it used to be you, do you how many of you guys are old enough to remember when like drums were reintroduced into church like and how big of a deal that was right like we can't have we can't have drums in here because this is a that makes it a rock and roll show and if it's a rock and roll show it's of the devil right you guys remember that like it was awful i got saved right during that time and it was terrible but here's what's fun did you so what what should be in a church for people who thought that drums were evil what should be in a church an organ we should just worship on an organ. Well, did you know back in the early 1900s, organs were banned from churches? Because those were what the moving pictures have. And, and if we put in our, then we're just like the movies and all we're doing is entertaining people. So organs used to be like the, 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 the instrument of the devil, right? And so, look, here's the deal. Like, if you read through the Bible, you are supposed to use cymbals and clanging cymbals and drums and instruments and stringed instruments and horned instruments and brass instruments and wind instruments. Like every aspect of music should be used for the glory of God, yeah? But for me, it was an idol for a long time, and so I had to get rid of a lot of it. But now, like there's a freedom to it in the sense that I understand and can filter out all the nonsense that's in a lot of music, and I'm free to like listen to it again and enjoy it for what it is and kind of swallow the honey spit out the wax. And so during quarantine, when we had absolutely nothing to do all day, every day, we started going off on these bunny trails and found some really fun music. And it was a blast. Like, we, like Fred found this group called Scary Pockets, and it's like a funk band, but they play a bunch of old rock stuff as funk music. It's pretty fun. And then we, we watched this video of like a 21 Pilots uh, performance where the lead singer did the entire performance off of a, uh, like a little MIDI looping machine. And I was blown away. It sounded like a full band, and he played every instrument on the keyboard and then plugged it in and made it loop. And then he played full songs, like with bridges and, and choruses and multiple verses. And I was, like, blown away that this is, like, possible live, and this guy's playing instruments but doing this digitally. It was mind-blowing. And then we found this guy called Mark Rebier. Have you guys seen this guy? He, like, dances around in kimonos and in his underwear. It's, like, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He's the dorkiest guy. He looks like Kip from Napoleon Dynamite. Like, he's got a mustache and, like, big dorky glasses and his hair's all greased over to the side. But, that, like, because we watched that 21 Pilots video of him doing this, this guy, that's all he does. He performs concerts with, like, uh, with a keyboard and a looping machine. And, like, 25,000 people show up in Amsterdam and they just party. And I was sitting there going, like, this is amazing when you watch music, how quickly people in, can engage with music. You know what I'm saying? On, on so many different levels and so many different ways. And Danielle said the other day, we were talking about this, and she said, look, like, I wonder why this is. Like, it, do you think that it's people, um, you know, who, who, who haven't ever, like, engaged with God in, in that musical sense, that worship sense, that that's why it's so easy to engage with music in these other senses, right? Because if you've ever gone to concerts and stuff, sometimes it feels like a spiritual experience, doesn't it? And I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not going to call you out on idolatry and, you know, devil worship, but how many of you guys have ever been to, like, like a concert, a secular concert, and it felt like a like you felt like it was a spiritual, emotional experience, right? Where you like so deeply engaged with what was happening musically that it felt like I like there was an enlightenment. You know what I'm saying? Okay, maybe there's only a few of us, <clears throat> but music tends to touch our souls. And we were talking about it, and we came to the conclusion that like that's true because God is so musical. And the reality is, is that when you go to a concert or when you go to one of these events, 
you're giving everything that you have when you go, right? I mean, let's be honest. Like, I was at a Dallas Cowboys-Cleveland Browns football game last week. For those of you that saw, yeah, that was fun. For those of you that, like, were texting me during the game, you know how crazy that was. Like, the score was, the Browns were up 41-14 to going into the fourth quarter. And me and my friends, my dad and, and Fred, we were sitting there going, yeah, I'm not comfortable with this lead. Like, this is the Cleveland Browns, you know? Like, we, we've blown leads like this many times over. And it got to the point within eight minutes, it was 41 to 14, then it was 41 to 38. And boy, I'll tell you what, there was some tension. My dad was like, my knees are, sh his knees were shaking. Like he, we were standing up and it was like, there was, a, there was a, some, there was some emotions running, right? And by the end of the game, we're like, woo! And you're like screaming and like clapping and applauding all these players. And what do they do? They just run around with a ball. You know, but like you go all, when you're there in the moment, it's like, I'm going to scream and I'm going to yell and I'm going to, I'm going to give everything that I have. And when you go to a concert, man, I remember like back in the, in the high school days, like you go to a concert and you would just come out dripping in sweat, like from the mosh pit, right? Like you, I would always have to bring at least one change of clothes. So after the show I could change. And then after I got out of the car, I could change a second time because I'd sweat up that one too. You guys remember those days, yeah, right? Okay, not just me. But like when you go to a concert, like I'm gonna sing my heart out, and like you don't you give everything that you have, don't you? And I think that's probably why you connect so well with that music. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Look, I know we do this every single Sunday, but the reality is you're supposed to give everything. And if and I know we these are cliche things, and hear me out though. I know it's cliche, but is God not bigger than the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> of course he is, right? Is God not bigger than the, the, the Rams or the Lakers who are about to win the NBA Finals right now? Like, is God not bigger than the Who or Led Zeppelin or Chicago? Was it Chicago? Yeah, yeah. Right? Is God not, is God not bigger than Billie Eilish? You know what I'm saying? Like, the reality is, is like we, when we do these things and they're these big events, and I understand like you pay a lot of money to go to a concert or a football game or whatever these things are, and so like you're like I'm gonna get my money's worth, right? But the reality is, is like you're coming and giving a Sunday morning, you're coming into a church service, you're giving up time and energy and all that kind of. Stuff. You might as well just go all in, right? Give all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, worship with everything that you got. So I think like worship, when we talk about it in terms of positioning. We need to position our hearts. We've got to get our hearts right before we even enter into worship, yeah? In the Psalms 23, it says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in this holy place? Who is, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Before you even come in, you've got a pregame. Right? Okay, can we get really real and transparent here? How many of you have ever gone to church and sat in the parking lot because you knew, like, I shouldn't be going in right now. Or maybe you just had a fight with your spouse on the way to church. And so you're sitting in the parking lot, and you sit there and go, you know what? Never mind. We're not going today. And you've turned around, and you've gone back home. Anybody? Pretty much all of us at some point, right? Like, we've all done that at some point because it was, oh, yeah, you guys have been, in, you guys have been running a church for 30 years, so that wasn't an option. <laughs> just deal with it. We'll, we'll fight afterwards on the way home, right? Like, that's true. It's true. You got to almost prep and pregame. Like, so if you go to a football game, 
or you go to a concert, you pregame it, don't you? You go tailgating before the game. Or if you're, you know, if you're going to a concert, you're probably pumping the, the music of the band that you're going to go to all the way to the concert. You're hyping yourself up the entire time. Yeah? How about we start preparing our hearts for worship maybe even all week long? Dude, I'm telling you what, I was so excited to go to that game in Dallas. Like, they only play, the Browns will only play in Dallas every eight years. And so I really wanted to go see this stadium. It's like, apparently it's one of the best stadiums in the world. It's got this 150-foot wide screen hanging over the field. Monstrous. It's like an IMAX screen hanging from the dome. It's pretty cool, right? So all week long, I'm like, dude, I can't wait. I'm just ready to go. Like, I'm ready to go, right? And then when it was Saturday night, and by the way, thank you all who, who came to our, like, surprise party on Saturday night. That was really fun. Cancer-free. Woohoo. Yeah, okay. The whole time I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to go to Dallas. No. no, you know what I mean? There is like, there's an excitement that builds because we were, we're about to do something. We're about to go. We, and what we did, for those of you who don't know, we flew out at 1 a.m. on Saturday night, Sunday morning. We grabbed breakfast in Dallas. We went to the game, which was at noon. We, after the game, we went and grabbed dinner. We hopped on a flight at 7 o'clock and got back here by 8 o'clock p.m. So we weren't even gone 24 hours. We were little jet setters. Felt like, you know, millionaires. It was pretty fun. Look, the, the, the reality is, is, like, there's an excitement that built up to that moment. And it was just to go see some guys smash into each other in Dallas. Like, that was it. You know what I mean? To throw a ball around. There should be an excitement and an anticipation that builds. We should pregame it for service, right? Because we're going to encounter God. It's kind of a bigger deal. Does that make sense? I'm going to skip this for a second. Positioning of the mind. Not only do we have to get our hearts right, but we have to get our heads right before. Because, by the way, you're in the world, you're in the culture, you're in the society all week long, and distractions are everywhere. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All that's within me, bless his holy name. I wholeheartedly believe David had to tell his soul, you're going to bless God sometimes. Because I'm sure David wasn't always feeling it. Think that's fair? Look, David was a man after God's own heart, but David didn't always feel it in worship. And so he sits there and says, look, I got I to gotta tell my soul that you're going to bless God right now. I'm going to tell my mind you're going to bless God right now. And the reality of the world that we live in, our world is so filled with distractions. Right now, we are in election season. And I said this the last time I taught. But look, no politician will save you. No politician can fix this world. No political party can fix this world. No political party can save us. And yet, most of us are so busy fixated on the debates and on Facebook and on social media and on news networks following every little change of pace and you know statement that's made and every tweet that Trump says and like everything that gets put out there we we fixate on it for for hours for days for weeks on top of that you've got financial issues economy issues that are hitting most of us very personally job you know issues you've got stuff that's at work you've got stuff that's at at home in your family life like we have distractions both good and bad, both necessary and unnecessary, that surround us all day, every day, right? And we need to get not just our hearts right and prepare our hearts and, and kind of pregame to make sure that like we're ready to, to encounter God, but sometimes we just got to get out of our own heads. 
I got this weird thing that like, you know, when I, <clears throat> excuse me, well, like when I, when I go into prayer, I always bring a notepad with me or at least my iPad with me because when I sit down and I'm ready to pray and I'm going to focus for a little bit, my head starts going crazy. Oh, don't forget on the way home, you got to grab this. You got to stop here. Drop your Amazon returns off at UPS. Okay. And also you got to pick, you got to go to Trader Joe's because we forgot to pick up. Does anybody else do laundry? has to get done when you get home. Don't forget to make the bed. Have the girls clean their rooms. Okay, and then tonight, what are we doing tonight? Okay, there's a football game on this afternoon, and then we're dropping the girls off at, and it's like, brain, shut up. I'm just trying to pray. And every time, even when we enter into worship, like we have had worship practice in the morning, and then we've had pre-service prayer, and the moment that that countdown hits zero, my brain starts going, what's going on today? Right, like, and it just... Just flutters off into whateverness. Focus. Like we all have it. We gotta set our heads right too. So sometimes it's just asking yourself, is there any reason to praise? Anything worth praising God for this morning? Anything worth bowing down and worship for? Anything worth my reverence today? Anything worth giving thanks for? Is God working for me? Is he on is, has he demonstrated that he's working for me? Yeah, absolutely, right? So what are some ways, discussion, what are some ways that you can get your head or your heart right so that you can focus on God? What are some things that you do that you can get yourself focused so that you can worship or pray? Ready? Go. All right. So look, we're going to close out with this. I know I, we're, you know, we're running a little bit over, uh, but I really wanted to talk about this because I think this is the most important aspect of this today. Positioning, so we talk about positioning the head and positioning the heart, right? Positioning the body is probably the most important thing. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm getting this to you because this is the expression itself. Um, you know the old phrase, like it's the thought that counts? Eh. You know, I mean, I guess that's kind of true at some points, but the reality is it's like, if it's always the thought that counts and it's never the action that counts, then chances are the thought's probably wrong in the first place or the heart's probably wrong in the first place. Jesus teaches us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I've heard it taught, and I liked it this way, is that the, heart will always, or the mouth will always betray the heart. Meaning like you can talk all you want, but sooner or later what's, what's in the heart is going to come out. right? And the truth is, is in terms of worship, What's in the heart or what's in the head is going to come out in some way. And so I've always believed that we are, like when we come to church, we collectively are the worship team. I'm going to say it again so I can get an amen. Look, we collectively are the worship team. All right? Zoe is our, she's, she may lead us in worship, but she's our conductor, right? She might pick what songs we're going to sing and when to shout and when to bring things down a little bit, when to bow in reverence and when to praise and dance. But she's a conductor and, and, and we're her orchestra, right? And so she gets to, she gets to use us and, 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 and have us collectively bring this one song before the Lord. And here's the deal. You don't need to be musical or to be able to play an instrument or to be able to sing in order to worship and praise. It never says in the Bible, sing unto the Lord if you're capable. Like, sing if you are the greatest singer in your church. 
right? I'll tell you, you know, there have been some people that we've had in this church over time that I'm like, man, I don't want to sing around them because they're good. Like Rebecca, good night. Yeah, Rebecca, that's unbelievable. I don't know if I've ever heard a voice like hers live before. And I've I've been with some performers and some artists and that sort of a thing. Rebecca, if you guys remember Rebecca, she had a she had pipes. And the, the, I will never forget we were at that time I was doing a lot of the next gen stuff. It was before Matthew got here. And we did we did uh we were doing karaoke nights like at youth group. All the kids were like having a blast just doing karaoke. Remember that? Ked's here, right? Ked was here. Woo. We used to do karaoke nights. And and so we, we break out the karaoke for the night, and Rebecca starts it off by singing Rolling in the Deep by Adele. And by the way, for those of you who don't know Rebecca, Rebecca, it was like maybe five foot tall, maybe, maybe 100 pounds, the tiniest little thing you've ever seen in your life, and you would never think that that much air could come out of her, but she sat down. And by the way, when you're when you're supposed to be singing, right, like you want to stand up straight so you can get as much air in your diaphragm as you possibly can. She sat down like Adele in the music video, and she was like, there's a fire. And I was like, what the heck? She rocked that song so hard that we were like, okay, who's next at karaoke? And everybody was like, I'm not going. I'm not going. That's not happening. Right? And there are times when, like, we have people on worship team when you're like, like when Zoe, Zoe can sing. Sam can sing, right? Zoe can sing. And there are times when you're like, yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm good. I'm like, we'll let Zoe carry this one because <laughs> she can sing. Doesn't say sing if you can. Doesn't say like worship if you can. It says sing. It says worship. And God gave you this instrument, by the way. Everybody, give yourself a nice pat. God gave you this instrument. There are, three, there are three parts of this instrument that you can play at any given time during any type of worship. <laughs> Excuse me. The first is your voice. No mutes in here, right? Okay. You have three things that you can do with your voice, according to the Bible. Are you ready? You can speak, you can sing, and you can shout. So watch. Everybody just say, praise God. Praise God. There you go. That's worship. Right? So during worship, at any time, when we're leading you through worship, you can just sit there and go, praise God. God is good. Amen. He's awesome. You can just speak praises to God. You can sing. Even if you think you're tone deaf and can't carry a tune, you can sing. You can be like the dad and elf, right, when he's just whipping it. You can do that. That's fine. But these are kind of level up things if you ask me. Speaking praise is level one. Singing your praise is level two. Shouting your praise is level three. And look, this isn't always just like a, you know, when Zoe tells us to. You'll notice sometimes Danielle and I, during the worship service, we'll just be like, woo! Tiff does it. I hear Tiff do it. It happens more often when I'm leading worship because I'm like, you get really into it when you lead. But, I, you know, it's like, yeah! Like, it just works. Shout, no! So, speak your praise. Everybody, God is good. God is good. That's that's level one. Level two is sing. Ready? Oh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's good. Level three, shout. 
any time that you just feel so led during a worship song, you might just read a lyric up on the screen that's like, yeah, right? OBJ just ran for a touchdown. Yeah, like that's what you, like you're just like, woo, you know what I mean? You might just read something on the screen and you might have just sang something that you're like, I need that, right? Aha! Okay, so you got, to, you got your voice. You have your hands. This is another part of your instrument is you have hands, okay? You can clap. By the way, I think the Bible's really directing this. It never says, there's never a direction to clap on beat. Because a lot of times when we think clapping during worship, we're thinking, but most of us, especially in this church, are white, and we don't have this. We don't got it, okay? And that's okay. So look, when I ask you to clap... When we ask, in terms of clapping during worship, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about keeping rhythm. We are literally just talking about, there are moments, and again, Danielle and I will do this. It's just like something on the screen that you just read or something that you just sang. It's just like, yes and amen to that. Woo! Like, God's good. Like, you can just clap in the middle, and I know you think it's going to throw somebody off. Don't worry about it. It's adding to the worship experience. If something during the song speaks to you, just clap. God's good, right? It's as if something in that play that you're watching, you, you know, you're, you're watching Hamilton on Broadway, and that guy just nailed it. Woo! Well done. Right? God, thank you for that. Good job. Okay? The second one, we did this this morning, is like as receiving. Everybody put your hands out like this. Right? It's receive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive something today. And there are times when we sing songs that's like, you know, God, you're going to bless us. You're going to give us something. You're going to pour out your love on us. Just put your hands out like this. It's, it's, part of the, it's part of the receiving, right? And you might just do it like you could do a little one if you want. I want the whole, right? And the third one with your hands is lifted high, raised. Now, I, I had somebody once come up to me. This was like right when I first got saved. We were at a convention, and they said, I've never seen anybody like reaching like you reached during worship. I, and they said, I, I saw you like reaching as if you were trying to grab heaven itself. And I was like, I like that a lot. Like, I'm like, just give it to me, right? Like, but oftentimes it's a sign of surrender, right? So it's, Lord, <laughs> I got nothing. My hands are going up because I surrender to you. Could be a reach. I want heaven. Could be a surrender. Why, is this, why does this matter? Because if you can think about these things consciously while I'm worshiping, then worship starts to take on a whole new dynamic. I'm not just going to clap for the sake of keeping on beat, but I'm going to clap when, when, I, when I feel like the Lord's worthy of applause. Why would I lift my hands or raise them up? Well, because right now I want to receive something, and so I'm demonstrating that to the Lord, or I'm going to lift up my hands as a sign of surrender, or as because I'm trying to get something, I'm trying to reach heaven itself. All right, so level one, clap. Level two, receive. Level three, lift them high. All right? You do this one too. This one's good. Third one is your posture, all right? So in this one, we can stand. Everybody try this. Stand. Feels good. They say sitting is the new smoking. Look, we're a healthy church, all right? And the reality is sitting is killer for you. However, that's not why we stand during worship. We stand during worship, why? Because when the king enters the room, 
you stand. Like it's, I've always had an issue like when, when, when worship teams sit down. And I get there's, some, like, there's times when they're trying to be cool and like acoustic and they're like, we're just chilling out with God right now. That's fine. Whatever. I get it. But the reality is, is like if the king of kings comes into the room, you're going to stand, right? Or you're going to bow. You want to try it? <laughs> Little Japanese style right here. No, but there's different ways to bow, right? Like we can actually like get down on our knees. We can put, and by the way, we're, we're staying like this because we're going to worship one more time before we go. So don't worry about sitting back down yet. But you can get down on your knees. You can prostrate before the Lord. You can bow down in this manner, right? You can fully spread out, lay out before the Lord. Here's the deal. Every time in the Bible when it says, the Lord appeared to me, it is followed by, and here's what the floor looked like. Every single time. I saw the Lord, and the floor was like jade. Why does that happen? Because when you see God, you can't, you can't stand. You can't, you can't look. I have to look. I got to bow down. So that's number two. So one is stand, two is bow, three is, anybody want to guess? Dance. Because kneeling would be bowing kind of, right? It's prostrate. Dancing. And this is the tough one, especially for us white folks in church. Because we didn't learn to dance. So we can dance. So worship people, come on back up. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you an opportunity to use your body, to position your body in worship right now. We pre-gamed it, all right? We've positioned our hearts and our minds. We prayed before service. We pre-gamed it. Yeah. Eli's ready. We spent time here like learning the word and talking about it all. Positioned our hearts and our minds to get ourselves ready. And so now we're going to practice it. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray, and then um, and then we're going to give you like a song or two just to practice these things, right? So your voice, you can speak, you can sing, you can shout. With your hands, you can clap, you can receive, or you can lift them high. And with your body, with your posture, you can stand, you can bow, or you can dance. Does that make sense? Just try to do them appropriately. Think of your body as an instrument. If we're playing the, the C chord, then I know which notes I have to be in, right? If we are in a moment of worship, then you should be able to think, you know what, right now I want to receive, or right now I want to surrender, or right now I should be dancing, or right now I should be clapping, all right? So just try to make it appropriate. Let's practice.